0: Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. I'm wondering, in the last 30 days, how many of you have either gone to work or to school? Can I just see hands last 30 days? Okay, great. How many of you loved it? In fact, can't wait to get back. Okay, we are wrapping up a series called The Jesus Difference, and today we're going to be talking about the Jesus Difference at work. In this series, the great truth that we are taking away from it is this, that if Jesus isn't making a difference in any relationship or area of our life, it's because he's absent. That is, we've left him out of it because Jesus always makes a difference. In fact, as this series has been taken out of the book of Ephesians, we have learned that Jesus has made a difference worldwide in his impact. But he's also done something very unique and personal in each and every person that's opened themselves up to Jesus. He's made a difference in their relationship with God. He's made a a difference with them within, that is, in their mental and spiritual health. Jesus made a difference in marriage. Jesus makes a difference in our families. And as I mentioned, today we want to look at Jesus making a difference at work. Now, every time I mention work, if you happen to be in school at this point still, I want you to immediately equate those two together. Because if you're in school, that is your primary work that you are um, called into. So, if you happen to have a copy of the scripture with you, Printed copy, digital copy. I'm going to ask that you grab it right now. Get your Bible app, open that up. Because this place is one that you'd want to bookmark. You just want to kind of look at it again because it is so practical and it affects our everyday lives. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 5, starts this way. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. (laughs) Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Now let's start out by talking about what could be an elephant in the room. And that is, is this passage like talking about employers and employees and how we're supposed to work and treat each other? Or is this a passage that's actually dealing with like masters and slaves? For sure, there's principles for us in these words in our everyday work lives and as we go to school. But the first hearers of it, they were living in a culture in which slavery was a part of it. In fact, so much so that you could say that you either were a slave or you knew a slave. At this point, the Roman Empire, there were over 60 million slaves. Now, in perspective, that means one out of every three people was in slavery. In the city of Rome itself, it would have been one out of two. Every other person was in, was enslaved. Now, we don't want to equate, because it would be a mistake, the slavery that was taking place there with the slavery that we would probably think of immediately, 17, 1800s in Europe, and in the US, which there is absolutely no excuse for, whatever. It's true that in Jesus' day, that a slave, a person, was an owned possession. And it is true that you could abuse a slave with impunity. And some were. But for the most part, that was not the case. You see, slaves in this day were the doctors and lawyers. They were the bakers. They were the builders. They were the, um, the, the um, tailors, the, literally the whole economic um, shoulders. The economy rested upon this, the shoulders of the slaves. A slave at this point, you could own property. You could save money. In fact, most slaves by the age of 30, were able to purchase their own position, uh, their own freedom. Now, I do not say that in any way to justify things, but just so that we have information about, so what was it like at this point? Some people um, would be critical of Christianity or Jesus for not coming out and just condemning slavery outright. Though it's really important to note, neither Jesus or the New Testament ever condone it. There's never this thumbs up that of what was going on or taking place. It did condemn those that would kidnap another person and bring them into slavery. Jesus condemned those that would either sell a person in or force a person against their will. And it's Jesus and his teaching that it will become the catalyst for slavery being done away with. But at this point... Jesus does something, the New Testament does something that is literally going to turn the system radically upside down. So many times Jesus teaches his disciples how to live in a broken world. That is, while we're praying, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May things be good here like they're good up there. While we're doing that, he tells us, this is how I want you to live. And he's gonna do that in this particular area. Now, I'm, I'm reminded just because of the timing of this right now. And we're, we're about a week and a couple days away from an election. Talking about, you know, broken systems and things that are going on. And as I hear people, you know, talking more about this, I hear lots of words of anger going on. And I hear lots of anxiety that's taking place, you know, worry and fretting. And I'm even hearing lots of just now apathy. Who cares? What difference does it make? Why bother? I've given up on that. All because of this, again, you know, it's like it, it, things are just so broken right now. But what does Jesus tell us to do? I mean, in a time of imperfection, Jesus would say to us, I want you to let your light shine. I want you to use the stewardship or to make the difference that you can. In other words, he'd say, I want you to pray. And I want you to vote. Vote according to the values that you would share with me. Vote according to the values of freedom, um, of of religion, and, and, and of life. And then I want you to pray some more no, it's not everything that it should be, and there's very few times you're gonna get that perfect candidate, but I want you to be engaged in making a difference here and now. Now, if we go back to work, what does Jesus tell us in a system like this? And these words just seemed so crazy. We read, slaves, obey your masters. Now, just think about that. What? Slaves obey your master. Like, what choice would they even have in the matter, right? I mean, if you didn't obey your master, then there was going to be a punishment to be paid for that. I mean, you're going to suffer for that. But what Jesus was saying was I want you to choose, not being outwardly forced, but I want you to inwardly make a decision to choose to serve just like you would be choosing to serve me. Which is gonna bring us to the Jesus difference at work. What is the Jesus difference at work then? What is the Jesus difference at work now for us? It is the choice that I choose to work for Jesus and I choose to work like Jesus. Let me say it one more time. The Jesus difference at work is the decision that I am going to work for Jesus, and I am going to work like Jesus. See, Jesus is our example when it comes to work. For those of you who know about Jesus' life, I'm gonna tell you something, or I'm going to remind you of something that you already know, but you maybe not really thought that much about. Jesus himself was a worker. I mean, Jesus labored most of Jesus' adult life. He worked a job. I'm not talking about a preacher, I'm talking about he worked a job right? Jesus was known as Jesus the, know what it was? Jesus the? Yeah, Jesus the carpenter. Now the word carpenter is actually the word tecton. And tecton means a builder. So Jesus was a builder in that day. A builder in that day, if you go to Israel, you pick up very quickly, there was not a lot of building that was being done with um, wood. Most of the work in Israel is done with stone. Meaning these would have been the tools that Jesus would have been acquainted with. You would have said Jesus was a mason. And for over 15 years of his life, Jesus worked at building homes that way. If you happen to go with us to Israel this coming um, year. We'll go to places that we can see that this was the areas that Jesus would have been doing and building the work that he was. We're going to literally walk where he walked, but see some of the work that he had done as well. I want you to think about this. Jesus, as a worker, he really does understand what it's like to put in six days of work as a mason. And if you've never done masonry work before, I will let you know that it is hard work. I mean, you are tired at the end of the day. But when you think about what kind of work did Jesus do? I mean, he's our example, right? How many here would like to have a house that Jesus built? I mean, like, that'd be like, a, that would be a quality home, right? The kind of work that he did. I mean, what would it have been like to work around Jesus. I mean, that would have been something that I think would have been a positive experience. Or what would have been like to have Jesus on your crew? I mean, you're probably thinking like, it could wreck it or ruin it. Like, why can't everybody be more like Jesus? I mean, now you're thinking like, you know, I'm Jesus' brothers and sisters, you know. His parents were always saying, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? Perfect, (laughs) right? So when we come to how was it that Jesus worked, there are two qualities They're gonna stand out to us. In fact, I'd encourage you to write these down. See, the scripture tells us this, verse number seven, to serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Now, if we just exchange the word work in there, I want you to work wholeheartedly as if you were working for the Lord. See, we're gonna work for Jesus and we're gonna work like Jesus. How did Jesus work? I think there are two attributes that would characterize Jesus' work. Here's the ones I want you to write down. The first one is this, Jesus worked with excellence. That is, Jesus did his best. When we work with excellence, when we do our best, that's what God said is pleasing to him. Colossians 3.23 is a verse that just has continued to, to speak to me, challenge me, kind of call me up to be able to do, no matter what work I've been doing, the work that God would have for me to do. And I'm gonna ask you just to read these words with me together. Again, if you're in school, these are words to you. If you're working, these are words for you. Ready? Everybody together. In all the work you are doing, work the best you can. Work as if you are working it for the Lord, not for people. I love that. Work as if you were working it, for the Lord. Now, do you think that would make a difference on the job? If you did your work the best you could, if you did your work for Jesus, I think these words are so powerful. I'm not gonna ask you to write them down, but I'm gonna ask them to take, you, take them with you. If you wanna just grab your phone real quick, scan the QR code, we've dropped these in there that you can just um, download your phone and use it as a screensaver. I've got this on the, on the front of my phone right now. So whenever I'm picking it up, I'm just reminded that this is what it would be like to work for Jesus and to work like Jesus, and to experience the Jesus difference on the job. If you were to be asked today, at the end of, at the, end of the day, it'd be a better way. Have you done your best? Is the Jesus difference being seen at work in this way? So the first characteristic of working like Jesus would be working with what? Let's say it together, working with excellence. One more time, we're gonna work with excellence. Excellent, so let's get that word down. The second word, attribute, would be enthusiasm. Jesus worked with a good attitude, and that's simply what enthusiasm is. It's bringing a good attitude to work with you. I mean, can you, do you think that you would have found Jesus In those 15 years, he's laying block, building houses that he was going like, I can't believe I got to do this stupid work, another stupid block. I could be out saving the world right now. Here I am, you know, on the job that way. Do you think that was Jesus' attitude? I got to provide for my family. Why can't my, you know, brothers, why can't they get it? Like, no. I think working around Jesus would have been something that would have been. Infectious. It would have been something that was an encouragement. And that's the second quality to bring to work with us. We certainly want to work with excellence, but if we're going to serve, if we're going to work wholeheartedly, we also want to work with, second word is, enthusiasm. That is to have a good and a positive attitude because we're going to work for Jesus and we're going to work like Jesus. Now, what about for those that are in charge, I mean, that's, that's for the worker for sure. But for those that are in charge, bosses, how many here would have either somebody that would be over you? They're a boss, they're a teacher, they're a direct report, they're an owner, they're, I mean, you got, but there's somebody over you. How many have somebody over you at work? Can I just see hands? Okay, everybody, okay. How many would be that person? How many of you are a boss? You have those that have to report to you, that you oversee, that you've got responsibility for. How many are bosses in here in the room? Okay, oh, look at that, all right. Okay, how many of you say, I just love my boss, best boss in the whole world? Okay, good to know your boss is here with you. And you know, attending <laughs> church, sweet. Anybody that would have a boss or a teacher that you would say, if they were put into a category, it would be the one that had jerk over the top of it. Anybody, you. Those are the hands that just seem to go up the quickest. Like I'm not quite sure why that, that would be. There is a golden rule if you are in this category of boss. And the golden rule is this. To do for those under you like you would like them to do for you, to you if your roles were reversed. Verse nine said, and in the same way, with the same expectations, this is how we're gonna be doing it. So some people are gonna you know, just like go, oh, well, does that mean then you could never you know, correct anybody or reprimand anybody? Are you never gonna fire anybody? And he yeah, says, so like, no. Because love and correction always go hand in hand together. But if and when, when you have to correct, when you have to recommend, if you ever have to fire or let somebody go, you want to do it with respect. You want to do it with honor. You want to treat that person like you would want to be treated if you found yourself in those circumstances. Now, why is this so important, the Jesus difference? Why is this going to make such a difference in our lives? First, for purpose. You are going to work about 90,000 hours of your life on the job. And that's if you have a a 40-hour-a-week job. 90,000 hours of your life are going to be burned at work. Wouldn't you like them to count for something? You ever feel like, you know, here's what I'm doing. I know I'm making a living. I know I'm producing, you know, for my family, but you may just feel like my life's really not counting for anything with the work that you're doing right now. And what we've read is this that if you will do whatever it is that you're doing, if you'll work for Jesus and work like Jesus, then God said, then that's going to be a reward that I give to you. He said, that is what I'm asking you to do. That's doing the will of God. If you're in school, in order to graduate from high school, you're going to have to spend about 13,000 hours of your life. 13,000 just to get through high school, kindergarten through high school. You ever feel like in school that you're just wasting your time? Have you ever thought like this school, this is like, this, there's no purpose in this. This is a waste of time. Yeah, like, but it wouldn't be if you're working for Jesus and you're working like Jesus in doing what you're doing. You see, the Jesus difference brings value and brings purpose to whatever we're doing and meaning into our life. And it also brings us into doing the will of God. A couple things, if you will do, again, whatever your job is, wherever you're at in school, If you will do that wholeheartedly for Jesus, one of the things that you can do on the job, we all can do, is that we can be a light for those that don't yet know Jesus. Do people know that you're a follower of Jesus? I think a better way to ask it is this. Would anybody be surprised if they found out that you were a follower of Jesus where you work? Because we're all being either light for Jesus, or being a reason for people to not come to Him that way. Ever work around somebody that they were just a slacker? I mean, they were they were lazy. I mean, you're just like, how do they even get by this way? Anybody ever have that experience? You, you've worked around somebody that's just like they're just definitely not pulling their way. Okay. Um, Ever worked around somebody that had just a crappy attitude? I mean, it's a bad attitude. They may have been doing a good job at work, but it's just like, I do not want to work around this person at all. Anybody ever worked around anybody like that? Okay. Now, here's the thing. You knew it. And everybody else on the job, they knew it, didn't they? They knew they were slacker. They knew they had a bad attitude. Now, the same thing would be true for us. We have a reputation. And everybody Knows it. It was one of the strangest emails that I ever got. And it just said this. Are you Guy Khan who worked at Rockford Machine and Tool? Period. And that, was, that was the whole email. And I'm looking at the, it, like, what is going on here? What kind of scam is being run here? Now, I was curious because I was Guy Khan. <laughs> and I did walk, work at Rockford Machine and Tool. So I just, um, I'm going like, Okay, curiosity has got the best of me. Here we go. And I wrote back, yes, and hit send. I wasn't expecting what I got. I got back a six-page email. And it's from a person by the name of Paul. And Paul just started out this way. He goes like, hey, guy, you may not remember this because it happened 40 years ago. And he was right. I did not. So he goes, 40 years ago, um, you had finished up your apprenticeship at Rock Machine Tool, and I was just starting mine. And when I was working there in the tool crib, I got an opportunity to know you just a little bit there. I knew you were a follower of Jesus, and you talked to me a little bit about that. He goes, like, I wasn't, and I didn't want anything to do with it. he kind of cuts the chase. He goes, like, several years later, I began to seek after Jesus. I knew that I needed something in my life. And because of the things you said, I sought after him, and I ended up receiving Jesus as my Savior.'" And today, he said, not only my wife and myself, but my kids and my grandkids are followers of Jesus as well. And I'm reading this just thinking like, wow, like three generations of people just off of one, you know, like this one light back then. But the thing that really struck me was this. I didn't even remember Paul. I didn't remember talking to him when he was you know, back in the tool crib that way. But that light, the reputation, the things that were said, it made a difference in him and then generations afterwards as well. That's what God is inviting each and every one of us into. You may not know the light and the impact that it's going to make in somebody's life. It may be 40 years before you hear about it. They may have no interest whatsoever. But we have that opportunity to be a light for Jesus. I really, I'm I'm a person that uses little cards like this, um, inviting my neighbors, friends, et cetera, to join. And I'd encourage you, whether you prefer the electronic ones or grab some of these on the way out, Easter is one of the times of the year that it is just very easy to be able to invite a person to join with us at a, you know, at a church service, people that don't go to church any other time. So I'd encourage you, if you've been light there, you've been trying to bless your coworkers, just invite them to come out and to join with you. It's one of the ways we do the will of God on the job, by being a light to those that don't yet know him. We're also opportunity to do God's will In being an encouragement, an encouragement to everybody there, to believers and non believers alike. Again, going back to Jesus, think about the encouragement that it would have been working alongside Jesus day after day after day, and just the things that he would share. And when things were going bad in a person's life, how he would point them back to God, how he would pray for them that way. We have opportunities because if we have people that work with us, we got people that have problems. And when you care about them and the things that are going on in their life, that encouragement can just be a lifeblood. The question we all want to bring before the Holy Spirit today, asking him to examine us is this. Is Jesus making a difference at work? Is Jesus making a difference at school in my life? Because if he's not, for some reason we've just chosen to exclude him from that. But we know now what we can do. And we know now the difference it can make. Um, When I was in high school, if you would have looked at my transcripts, freshman through junior year, my grades were super consistent. C, D. I didn't say I was proud of them, I just said they were consistent. My senior year, I had straight A's. Now you're thinking, like, somebody hacked the system. (laughs) There was no system to hack back then. (laughs) But something happened, right? And if you're going like, was that because you had you received Jesus? The truth is, I had received Jesus as my savior. But let me just ask you this does receiving Jesus as your savior make you smarter? Does it raise your IQ? <laughs> I'm so disappointed to have to tell you, no, it does not. <laughs> Same IQ after I had, had received. But what was the difference? I just began to apply myself at school because I want to do school for Jesus and I want to do school like Jesus. For me to say, this is going to make night and day difference for you at school and in work, well, I think you're gonna see that this was an understatement of today. It is going to be something that you find God, that his working in a place that you thought he wasn't there, all of a sudden, more and more, you're back on the mission field this coming Monday. You're back at work for God this coming Monday and the day after, and the day after, and the day after that. And it is counting for something. It is meaningful. In fact, he said, and you're going to be rewarded in heaven. Like, that's just a kicker, right? We're going to get this bonus in heaven. 90,000 hours of back pay waiting in heaven. Because I've done my job with excellence and enthusiasm for Jesus. Now, of course, as we tie the whole series up, we've heard, many, many ways that God's been at work in our lives through this. We need to remember that you'll never experience the Jesus difference in your life if you don't have Jesus. And the book of Ephesians started out by sharing just how much we needed him. It talked about, without Jesus we're lost. Without Jesus we are spiritually dead. But then it went on to say this. For by grace... We are saved through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of work, so that anyone could boast. We've sung about Jesus today. we focused on Jesus today. We've talked about this Jesus difference he can make today. And so many of us would be able to say, and let me tell you how. But there was a day that I didn't have Jesus in my life. <laughs> There's a day that all of us hadn't had Jesus in our life. And if you are still living in that time You may know that Jesus died on the cross. You may even know that he rose again. But you have never opened your life up personally to him. There is a Jesus difference that is waiting. That will change your eternity. And it will bring you life. And if you let it, life to the full right now. If you put your faith and trust in him. And I would invite you to do that today. My closing prayer is going to be twofold. One, it's for us that have received him just to say, Jesus, my commitment is to work for you and to work like you. Would you make that commitment to him today and then live it? And then if there's a person that wants to trust Christ, I'll certainly pray for you. Would you join me in this prayer? Jesus, thank you that you are an example worth following that you know what it's like to work a full day, week, month, year after year after year on the job, and to do it with excellence and enthusiasm. Jesus is a follower of yours. I just wanna ask for your help as I make this commitment to work for you and to work like you. If that's your prayer, would you just tell that to him now in all sincerity? And help us, Lord. And Jesus, for those that now are ready to ask you for the saving grace that only you can bring to them for the forgiveness of sins, to make them a child of God, would you grant them the answer to that prayer as they open themselves up to you now and ask you to be their Lord and Savior? And before we close, how many would say, Guy, that's my prayer today to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior for the very first time. Would you lift a hand in acknowledgement of that? Yeah, all over, wherever you're at. God bless you. Today's the day. I just, I need Jesus and I'm gonna ask him to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for this amazing saving grace that you are doing again, this saving work, Lord. We remember what it was like in our lives and we pray for those that have just opened themselves up to you that they will experience your fullness. We pray it in your mighty name, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.